Let's do it. I love fire. As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. DJ Scratch! How's everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of Burn and Return. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the grass factor. Martin. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, the way this works is that this is going to be a uh, however long it goes podcast where we kind of discuss industry trends that are going on wait, out wait, there wait. in the world. Whoa. Did you say cuss industry trends or discuss industry trends? Dis- didn't, I, you didn't enunciate. Cuss. Oh, okay. Discuss uh, industry trends somewhere out there that we have found on the World Wide Web, uh, typically hanging out in the in the darker corners of you know strange places and uh and then what we tried to do is explain uh one what we can expect from it from uh from a, a macro scale and then bring it down all the way to the micro level of how it will eventually end up making its way into our little piece of the industry known as the green industry whether you're lawn care sports turf golf doesn't matter uh stick around hang out uh, if you're watching this on youtube you can also listen hands-free on your favorite uh podcast app of choice uh spotify apple whatever uh we we do the damn thing and you can you can do that as well too and uh we want to we want to thank you for tuning in boys alongside me we have ryan debate and ray ito gentlemen how in the hell are y'all doing man i'll tell you what i'm great i uh i got a big birthday coming up this week getting i think i'm getting excited i don't know but uh i was driving the along big two the, seven. the big yeah. two seven yeah <laughs> no, i uh i was driving through the neighborhood the other day and i saw this old dude out mowing his lawn and he had one of those like the old lawn boy 21s ray you probably didn't see these back in the day but they were like like a tank they were built as good as you could make them two cycle they took like 32 to one um actually it was mix, 24 really. to one 24 to one oil ryan i know those mowers okay it's 24 oh, to one <laughs> that was the very first mower i ever had right mowing lawns yeah. when i was like a 10 year old kid going out there mm-hmm. and i got transported back as then as soon as i saw this dude it was like the universe opened up any camus hot stepper comes on my spotify feed and man i was transported right back to the summer 95 it was a it, you know one of those good nostalgic moments so anyway that's my little story for this week but uh <laughs> ray how about you are you feeling old this week yeah yeah how could i feel old how could i it's not, because uh it's not possible yeah because Chile in about a month now no, in about a month guys you you do realize that I'm going to be 51. 
Yeah, man. Everybody's getting old on this panel, but me, which is weird. Like, man, it is weird. (laughs) You are getting younger by the day. I am getting younger. Uh, Yeah, shit. I don't have a birthday for a long time, and I'm I'm not going (laughs) to be anywhere near y'all's ages. Ages. Eh, close enough. Close enough. Are you? Are you thirty nine? You're going to be turning thirty nine, Demay? No, forty. Forty. Oh shit! Oh, forty. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. All these 83 oh, yeah. kids up and hanging around, man. I don't know. Yeah. Something about the My water wife, back there in else, late 82. Yeah. You know, just I get it. I get it. It's full of lead. I don't know. We still had lead and gasoline then, didn't we? I don't know. No. Uh, I think. No. No. Paint in the walls. No, no lead no in the gas. I did. No. No, I didn't. No lead or mercury in the paint either. Shucks. <laughs> All the fun got taken away. <laughs> I know. Jesus. Always. This damn nanny state. Unbelievable. Don't, uh, don't, don't right. start. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump into this week's headlines. Nothing to fear here. This is just the news. This is just the news. And uh, boy, if, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, multiple regions throughout the United States and uh, around the globe have been experiencing record heat waves. I uh, actually was uh, on, the, on the phone with uh, my in-laws there earlier in, in J.A. Pan. They are going through one. Uh, and then, of course, over in uh, the deserts, the southwest deserts of the U.S., they are absolutely Shaking and baking down there. Uh, you know it's hot when uh, when uh, you do not you do not need to use external heat to cook your meth. Like that's uh, you you've gotten you've gotten real warm there. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the the producers are happy. However, us common folk are uh, you know uh, struggling with it. And as a result of that, where there's heat, oftentimes that means we're dealing with one of those other things that goes along with it. What is that? Oh oh yeah, evaporation and you're in a desert climate, you're probably not getting a whole lot of rain to begin with. And well, if you live in those areas, well, what does that mean? Eh, water scarcity. So mm. what happens? Scottsdale, Arizona, coming to oh. the rescue. Their uh, municipality here. Uh, they ban natural, gra- natural grass in front yards of new houses to conserve water amid Arizona's drought. As drought-stricken Arizona bakes in searing heat, the Scottsdale City Council unanimously agreed this week to ban natural grass in front of future single-family homes in an effort to conserve water. The new ordinance will apply to new houses constructed or permitted after August 15th. By adopting this ordinance, Scottsdale aims to lead the way in water conservation practices, setting an example for other communities across the region. Uh, in June, found that 86% of those who responded supported the ordinance. Uh, it's a positive step that supports responsible use of our water resources and an initiative that works in tandem with Scottsdale Water's existing residential and commercial rebate programs that offer water-saving options and maintain the beauty and functionality of Scottsdale neighborhoods. Uh, in recent years, they've used various methods to uh, conserve water, uh, they are limited, uh, construction in the Phoenix area because of disappearing groundwater and, uh, and the crisis comes to, um, uh, amid years of water overuse and climate change driven drought. Uh, parts of Arizona have been a long-term drought since the mid nineties. Um, anyway, they're, uh, they're, they're, you know, trying to move everybody away and they get rebates, uh, you know, less water they use, or even in some instances, ripping it out. So uh, here we go. No new homes. You are going to be a uh, grass list. Now what's 
interesting about it, and I, I man, I know there has to be a, uh, a student, right, either either doing their uh, thesis or dissertation, that could use this and monitor uh, what limited groundwater there is, groundwater quality levels as a result of this ordinance. I would be curious what that looks like um, coming from a grassed community that is new construction and then a non-grassed community that is um, uh, new construction as well too. Uh, and I think that would give a pretty uh, accurate representation of the role that turf grass plays in these uh, in, in filtering runoff from non-pervious uh, surfaces, right? So uh, anyway, I hope someone at least takes this opportunity to put it to good use. But, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm not going to pass a whole lot of judgment right here or be too critical of it when, you know, I, it came with like, what, 80-something percent support. And uh, I don't know anything about what the water situation is like in Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't live in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'd never live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, I would never live in a desert, period. Uh, I get 50-plus I get inches of rain a year, and I like it that way. I like my tropical humidity feel here. So, uh, But people do live there, and, uh, and I get it. If you've got to conserve it, you've got to conserve it. You know, I, Again, it is the desert. Who wants to live in the desert? There's... It is rough. Like I, I don't know. Real quick, I went out to Phoenix a couple of years ago and was talking to the locals there, and I said, "So you know, we're 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 running around. They're like Ohio. Like, what the hell do you do in Ohio in the winter?" And I said, "Well, you know, you go to the grocery store Take once care. a week. You try to stay inside. Yeah, you do. You try to stay inside. You yeah, you huddle up. You do stupid stuff, and you know, try not to go outside when it's too cold." And I said, "Shit, that sounds a lot like the summer here." I said, "Yeah, that sounds miserable, doesn't it?" And he said, "Yeah." That's so why would anybody? I, I don't. I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I mean, um, the thing I, I go back to on all this stuff, and again, it's climate, you know, sensitive to a certain portion of like whether you're in the desert or whether you're in, you know, upper altitudes in Colorado where we're seeing some of this stuff. But uh, I would surely love to see some research that's done on what is the net positive effect of removing that turf system. Yes, there is a water savings, and I understand that, but it seems like you're giving up a lot to maybe gain a little bit. And uh, again, I just, I mean, we've talked about this before in terms of the overall impact of this, you know, relative to a city water system or a city infrastructure. We've talked about this in terms of, you know, the types of water that's being used. So Scottsdale, I, I got to imagine that they're using gray water. Probably I'd hope they're not using potable water to irrigate turf out there. But moreover, it's just like what happens, you know, in these systems when there's nothing there to stabilize, you know, whatever type of soil that they have there, there's nothing to, you know, filter out nutrients or other pollutants, things like that. And then I don't know, there's, there's a lot I think that should be looked at first instead of just saying this, just, this feels like, I'll tell you what this feels like, gentlemen, this feels like a permanent no-mo may. It's just like, again, I, I, I get the whole point of what they're trying to do, but do we know what the overall net impact is? Remains to be seen. Just a guess at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there actually needs to be actual research and data gathered regarding number one, water quality in the area, and then two, the alteration to the actual climate and temperature in the area, because I recognize well-maintained turf grass as a buffer or a mitigator of high heat conditions and heat waves because 
remember what I told you all about how sometimes I can step out into a turf area and just bust someone and tell them, hey, you are shorting this turf grass area water. And you know how I can tell they're shorting it? When I can feel the heat rising up from the ground. Mm, and you, yeah, I, I've done that to people where they tell me, oh, I'm watering enough. Bullshit. I mean, this thing is parched and baked, and I feel like I'm standing in front of an oven. This is not getting enough water. <laughs> but all of that aside, there has to be some data gathered as to whether the visible water savings are worth the over impact, overall impact on the environment. Yeah. There has to be some data because I too am an advocate for turf. I'm also an advocate for not having turf where it'll do more harm than good. So in order for me to make that decision or come, you know, or have that opinion, I need data. Okay. I just need the data. <laughs> yeah. It makes perfect sense. And, you know, I think it's a, a reasonable thing to do. And, uh, and that's right. Also the cooling effect that, that comes from, from grass too. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I, this is something near and dear to my heart here. Uh, crisis averted at a Helena Agra uh, a location in Monitor Township, Michigan. Good Lord. A fire oh, alarm was man. triggered at a Bay County fertilizer plant. Uh, crews knew they could have a disaster on the hands if the flames reached the chemicals. Thankfully, that did not happen. Though the building itself was significantly damaged, uh, possibly to the tune of six figures. I, I, it did a crisis was averted. Uh, we always had a fear that if it ever goes up, it's gone. Um, an alarm went off at eight Oh two PM shortly after Bay County central dispatch started uh, receiving calls from neighbors. The business was closed at the time. Uh, firefighters got there They knew we had an active fire. It was total darkness. It was scary as hell. They didn't say that. I put that in there because I'm sure it was. If you've <laughs> never been in a burning building that does not have electricity at night, uh, it is the scariest thing in the entire world. I've, I've done it once, sure. and I don't ever want to have to do that ever again, and it was terrible, especially when someone's screaming help. It's awful. Um, anyway, they they were able to get get it extinguished and controlled in such a way that it never reached uh, any anything that could uh, potentially cause issues. Uh, it saved the majority of the building's contents. It was just the structure that ended up taking the majority of the damage. And uh, they believe it was caused by an electrical fire. Kudos to that effing uh, uh, firefighter effort, firefighting effort from not just this township, but also the surrounding areas that came to assist in it. Because, wow, that right there shows, one, how fearless those guys are. Because how, how many firefighters want to run into a fertilizer plant fire? Jeez. <laughs> uh, want to zero point zero uh, <laughs> uh want to because it's part of what they feel compelled to do to fucking save the community you know the majority of them and it just that's a whole nother set of balls and and awesomeness that i just don't have and man these guys deserve all the respect in the world for for doing it and doing it in such a way that <laughs> no, no one got hurt you remember that one in Texas? 
two years ago? Was yes. it three, four, five years ago? Oh my oh, god! Oh man, in Waco. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know what's crazy? Yeah. This is what's crazy about that is, if I recall correctly, that was a tractor trailer load of ammonium nitrate. One tractor trailer load is all that was. Mm-hmm. Was really? up that boom? And if you haven't watched that video recently, I highly a big recommend uh, everyone go go watch it. It is unbelievable the 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 blast the shock wave that comes from that is just unreal then if you want to take it to the next step uh a 40,000 ton explosion was the one that happened in beirut uh that yep. basically uh, uh wiped a section of an island off a map right uh right. That, that was, was trending on 40,000 tons this weekend Oh, wasn't mm-hmm. really. it had like all these different yeah they all these different angles of that blast like somebody spliced all like probably eight or nine different videos together uh-huh and watch it, it, it all together yeah, yeah. And people are going to hear forty thousand tons and thinks and think that's a lot in the scale of agriculture and fertilizer distributing forty thousand tons is nothing nothing it, you know you know what? 40,000 tons went- would serve like a really small market, like a market that's going to have, you know, we'll th- think of a town in your area and the surrounding areas that are a population of maybe 30,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so 30,000, that means you probably have a lot of area that's dedicated to ag. That's probably a 40,000 ton market, not big. So now imagine, you know, you're in, uh, uh, in, in an area that's like, you know, covering the, the uh, the western half of Kentucky, we're probably talking 400,000 tons of fertilizer for that, right? So, uh, you know, it's that that three hundred four hundred thousand tons. You're talking about good market penetration there. That's that's a that's yeah. a real deal fertilizer company, right? Forty thousand tons. Right. No, you're you're that's a mom and pop shop, really, in the in the scale that, of things. That's a mom and pop shop. If and I mean, that this is what wiped an island off the map. Yo, but let me put this into perspective for everybody. No more than two tons of sensitized ammonium nitrate took down the federal building in Oklahoma City. Exactly right. Exactly. Not barely two tons. It it, it don't take much. And then here's the thing is that, you know, if you can get ANFO to go off, that is equivalent to dynamite. Or TNT and all, equivalent to, to, for the for the for the YouTube sensors here. I just I want to make it clear that uh, here's here's one thing is that the overwhelming majority of locations right now do not inventory ammonium nitrate in bulk. You're not going to see that in bulk. Uh, you're also not going to have the other components of that would require a boom for ammonium nitrate to be stored in the same area. We've we've moved past that. We've learned from those mistakes. So. Uh, most Absolutely. insurance companies uh, that that insure, you know, quote unquote, high risk that deal in in fertilizer, either manufacturing, blending, packaging, storing, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, have big uh, clauses and uh, 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 rules and bylaws for uh, for nitrates, any kind of uh, oxidizer. Uh, they do not like those, uh, and if you do have them. You know, you have to make sure there's a certain amount of uh, uh, retain retaining area to isolate them. It has to be a certain number of feet away from all fuel sources, even even propane. You can't have within you know like a hundred feet of it or whatever. And uh, and so um, uh, or it has to be stored in such a way that it's blended with another ingredient that would uh, put it at a low enough concentration to make it relatively inert, right? 
And uh, trust me, I've had to go through all that paperwork. It, it's uh, it's a pain in the ass, and you have to do a lot of rigorous testing. It's incredible to be able to it's be insured idiot. on it, but <laughs> it's important. Yeah, it's important that it's done because it's it's serious serious risk. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, two things I want to I want to point out here, and these are these are going to be two recently published studies, and why I want to highlight them as part of our headlines is uh, we hear a lot right now about. Uh, soil biodiversity. Now, I'll, I'll give you a case of point. I was on a um, a, a, a uh, Facebook lawn care page, and this is uh, Advanced Turfgrass Professional Applicators uh, Facebook group. And um, people were talking about different nitrogen sources, and um, one of the things that was being shit on to holy hell were uh, nitrogen stabilizers because he was talking about how uh, one nitrogen stabilizers kill soil biodiversity and soil biology. And then the other aspect was, was that synthetic nitrogen in general creates a plant that becomes addicted to it and a lifeless soil, what? right? Uh, yes. No, that's, I mean, that sounds right out of Chip Gaines Organic 101. Or, you know, or I said Chip Gaines, not Chip Gaines. Uh, Chip what's Osborne. his name? Oh, yeah, Chip Osborne. Osborne. Chip Gaines is a, he's a, I, uh, he's the dude on HGTV or whatever. With the, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, my wife loves her. Not um, anyway. Uh, Time's up. Digress. It's over. So, uh, two recently published studies here, and uh, and uh, like recently published. This one in uh, one was in June. This earlier one here I'll talk about was published in July. This will be the first one. This is ecosystem type drives soil uh, uh, eukaryotic diversity and composition in Europe. And uh, anyway, you can go through here, read it yourself, but I'll give you one of the most important parts of it is um, higher diversity of fungi, protists, nematodes, arthropods, and annelids was observed in cropland, uh, croplands than in less intensely, intensively managed systems. Basically what that means is that uh, intensively managed systems, so think like crops, right? Where we're row cropping, where we're constantly having to apply fertilizer because we're having to maintain a certain level of fertility, fertility to be able to be able to produce yields that go to harvest. We can think of turf grass as intensely managed croplands. What we see is that you have a higher soil biodiversity in higher intensity managed lands than in non-managed systems. So think like forest, grasslands, pastures, right? So a lot of this rhetoric that we've been hearing, uh, and because we've been hearing it, uh, people have been stepping uh, stepping up to the plate and actually, you know, putting the data to it and figuring out what's going on. Uh, and the the second one, patterns in soil microbial uh, microbial diversity across Europe. And again, I'll just summarize this uh, real quick. And it was uh, where are my notes? Uh, somewhere. Oh. Uh, no, not that one. Where is it? Ah, here it is. It says, we found the lowest bacterial and fungal diversity in less disturbed environments compared to highly disturbed environments. Uh, so again, hmm. uh, one study co-signing the bullshit of the other study, even though they were independently conducted studies published in two different journals at two different times uh, that were actually taking place simultaneously that came to the same conclusion. So did they, uh, in, did they order any turf titan microbes though? Uh, no, they did not. Oh, and, uh, and that's, oh. that's what's interesting. Oh. Uh, and there's, there's lots of things that we can get into here. 
uh, and I'll uh, for our patrons, I want to go ahead and throw this note in. Uh, I'm going to throw this in in our chat here, so we can put it up for our patrons. It's going to be specific about soil biology and a lot of things you hear about: a lack of microbes, a lack of biodiversity, uh, a low fungi to bacteria ratio. I know that's one of a new one I'm starting to see out there. Uh, or you know, I hear these catchphrases like "oh, microbes are passengers, not drivers." Focus on carbon inputs what? and minimizing disturbance disturbances, right? You know, all those, all those fun things and why in reality it's, it's a lot of noise that, uh, that the data that, that we're actually getting in is it turns out that, well, actually none of it's, none of it's actionable because what we thought was taking place is not actually what's taking place. So, uh, have fun with that patrons do with it what you will, um, and be, be champions of evidence-based decision-making Whoa. while you're out in the field. Uh, that being said, boys, how about we check out this week's Joe knows turf. <laughs> Joe knows turf. He does. He does. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because Joe knows turf. <laughs> Joe does know turf. Uh, we we've been out. Um, they're doing doing real world shit, and uh, and so because we were recording today, Demay is not one to ever leave anyone uh, uh, without without excitement, and uh, and so what he <laughs> has prepared for us today is not not a singular event, not a bimodal event. We have the trifecta of Joe knows turf today, and he is going to be it's airtight gonna... Joe knows turf. Oh Lord, have mercy! Plug your nose while you're at it uh yeah well listen there's a lot, a lot of beat on that bone and uh you know we want to eat it all so uh without further ado jay pink let's look <laughs> easy joe uh let's let's take a look the first one is a is a tweet and i know that people are gonna be oh you guys are just attacking him all right this is a tweet from our good friend alan hayne the lawn care nut and Alan tweeted this out on uh, July 10th, 4.44 p.m. And he says that, I just want to say, it's nice to see small YouTubers as well as billion-dollar companies finally realizing the results you can get in a lawn by adding humic and sea kelp to your regular strategy. I've been saying it since 2018. You think Lowe sees the trend that I started and wants to cash in too? Question mark. So uh, he links a video here to our friend Princess Cut Lawn Care, and there's a product now apparently at Lowe's that has some biostimulants and stuff in it. The point I wanted to make here is that, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if Alan really believes that, if that was said in jest, if that was where that 2018 came from. But, uh, you know, J-Pink, go ahead and throw these up. And, and, and really, I, what I want to do is uh, throw some credence and throw some... Uh, some credit to the person that really uh kind of uh, tapped this as far as uh usefulness and turf and and some of the science behind it and everything like that and that is a gentleman that's named dr eric irvin e-r-i-k-e-r-v-i-n uh dr irvin was at uh, virginia tech for a long time and then since moved on probably about six seven eight years ago to the university of delaware where he still teaches and does research and uh this research that he conducted was really seminal in the movement of you know trying to figure out how seaweed extract work and specifically the cytokine and content 
that seaweed extract held and that plant, those are plant growth hormones, right? So they're effectively influencing growth and recovery of turf. And that's what he found in this work here. And then coupling that or decoupling it with humic acid to see what kind of effects they had either singularly or together. So we're not going to dive into this too much, but basically uh, when you mix them together, you got, you have really, really good response in terms of rooting, uh, root mass, root depth, things like that. And they prove that over and over again uh, in these studies. The other thing I want to highlight too is when these studies took place. These were back in 2003, 2004 with bulk of the work, the science part of the work uh, starting in about 1999. So this was all theorized, plotted out well over 25 years ago when they started thinking about, hey, how are we going to do this? Pulling some grad students in and getting the work going. So I mean, great for Lowe's, great for everybody else that's jumped on the bandwagon, but Eric's been doing this a long time. He deserves the credit um, for doing this. So thank you, Dr. Irvin, and keep on keeping on. Boys? A couple a couple things to note uh, about these particular uh, uh, studies here, and uh, and I think I think this is where it gets lost in uh, in the in the hoopla, right? Is uh, you know, for instance, here with the when uh, uh, using it for sod establishment, what we saw is that you know did did a really good job of the root aspect and establishment aspect of uh, of sod establishment. However. Uh, the, the, the pivotal part of this is that, and so we think about it from a lawn care perspective or a homeowner lawn care perspective where, you know, this is not being developed for sports turf. Uh, we do not have wear traffic. We don't have cleat tearing. We don't have repairability, uh, as a, as a factor to the degree that, that, uh, we would see here becoming, you know, highly important. Uh, but, uh, one of the big things that we specifically would require would be visual quality, right? Uh, turf grass quality, visual quality, however we decide to score that, uh, whether it's uh, NDV, uh, NDVI or NBDI. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but what's interesting is that uh, uh, we did not get an improvement in visual quality as a result of these applications um, beyond fertility. Nope. So, nope. again, <laughs> you know, and you can have you can you know where where a lot of times these the, this idea that you need this monumental root system in order to uh, survive whatever is going to be thrown at you uh, comes into play when you're talking about maintaining something under a high degree of use or wear or traffic traffic or you're maintaining yeah. it at a height of cut that is no longer within the uh, the naturalized limits of a turf grass, right? So you're maintaining mm-hmm. Kentucky bluegrass, or we'll, we'll say creeping bent grass at, you know, uh, 110 thousandths of an inch. And, you know, that's up from uh, 100 thousandths of an inch uh, because, uh, because you know, you're, you're moving into 90 degrees during the day. Uh, it's easy <laughs> to see where you could start, uh, have, a, have a quite quickly shrinking root system. And, uh, and, and then it becomes incredibly important at that point. However, in a home line, that's not usually what we're dealing with. And so uh, what we are looking for are things that are going to maximize the visual appeal and give us a return on investment, a visual return on investment from this. We could take the same data, replicate it into what we see with disease pressure and all that fun stuff. Some of that's been conducted and we don't see any corollary data there that shows that it's, it's going to, to help in, uh, in a, a statistically significant way. In terms of visual quality, beyond fertility, we're not seeing a lot of impact in a statistically significant way either. So 
Uh, then comes the option for you that if it's not going to give you a result that would provide a return on investment for visual appeal, visual quality, is it worth spending the money on? That's not my decision to make. That's your decision to make. If you think it's going to modify your soil structure or whatever, that's fine. Uh, we, I've covered that in, in videos before. But 99% of what should be in the, in the, in the idea of uh, a buyer and applicator in residential lawn care should be return on investment for visual appeal. And, uh, and if it's not there for you, then, you know, purchase at your own risk. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Buyer beware. Right, okay. right Matt? Well, uh, <laughs> buyer beware. Buyer beware. And, uh, Be go ahead. Because I've always said that kelp, humic, et cetera, the quote-unquote biostimulants, they do not produce visually appealing turf grass in absence of adequate light, water, and basic nutrients. And so it is just for the last 1% of turf grass performance, because I myself, I actually do use kelp, but it's only under a very specific circumstance. And that is to promote rooting of turf grass sods that are otherwise reluctant to take root quickly. Other than that, it's not a routine application for me. I only use it for that one thing. I make the application, sod takes root, it is immediately and permanently taken out of the program thereafter. It's not applied to the turf grass every week or every two weeks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what else you got, Debate? <laughs> well, let's go ahead and dive into number two here. And this comes to us courtesy of our, uh, well, he's, he's dear, but he's maybe not a dear friend. But uh, Ron Henry, let's see what Ron's got to say. Oh, hey, Ron, my Bermuda lawn is thriving and green. That's good. Even while being in the hundreds in central Texas this week. However, my most recent soil test speaks otherwise. Can soil tests be wrong or an error? No, not, not necessarily. I mean, if you, I mean, I haven't seen your, I haven't seen your, uh, your soil test results, but I mean, the thing is, the thing I would look at, I would say is this uh, T1000 is if your lawn is looking good, I would say it's looking good. It, despite uh, the soil not being in, in as great a shape as it could be. So what I would say is if it looks good now, imagine how it will look once you correct the, uh, the deficiencies. You know what I mean? So it's not like if you have, um, if you have a, a couple of the levels uh, that are, are a bit low that, you're, that your grass is going to look like absolute garbage. That's, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it's, it's rare to see a lawn where that is, that is NPK, that's deficient of the macros, like, like heavily deficient and still looks good. Like that is, is somewhat rare. Tehran, my Bermuda. Pause. Actually... Go ahead, Matt. You're muted, Matt. Uh, You're on mute. You're muted. Nope. Can't hear you now. Nope. Gotcha. <laughs> uh oh. He died. All right. So while he, no, he is jumping off, sometimes no. I just have there to. There you go. There you go. There you go. There Reboot. You go. I, a prerequisite of a question, and you may be able to answer this, is deficient according to who? 
He says deficient according to his soil test. Who is providing the my parameters soil. My of this? My soil. Oh. Oh, really? That's who his test is held through. Do yeah. we have to do this again? Well, no. there's that's we part of it. That's part of it. We got to do this again. Time's up. It's yeah, over. No, it's yeah, not. So real quick, go ahead and throw <laughs> up the uh, go ahead and throw up that clip or uh, screen grab there real quick, JP. And listen, I know what you're going to say, Matt. Okay, and I I'm, I I want you to say it. But I think that you need to understand a few things here. From an agronomic perspective, if uh, Travis Shaddix was on this show several months back, and Travis Shaddix said, I would not soil test unless my grass looked bad. That's a PhD, one of the smartest guys that's probably ever touched a book in turf. He's telling you, hey, you don't really need to do that unless it looks bad. Now, there might be some disagreement there within academia. There might be some disagreement there within the professional ranks. But he has a point. Now, further. Beyond that, right? Let's just look at this on a consumer level. And I don't care if you're a professional, you're a homeowner, wherever you are in that continuum of your knowledge and your comfortability and uh, confidence in growing grass. But any company that is a soil testing company that has sample results makes a fertilizer recommendation. That's kind of normal. But then when they offer to have you buy the products that will fix your problem, that's a major, huge, giant, fucking red flag. That's a problem. Conflict of so, conflict of interest. I think. Well, you know? yeah, I call yeah. that a conflict so, of interest. <laughs> but besides the point here, let's go back to the Shaddix thing for a second, right? And and, and Doctor Shaddix talked a lot about this about you know how we calibrate soil test data and the lack thereof in turf. Mm-hmm. So. I think what Matt is about to say here is talk about the my soil things and okay, these levels are deficient, but are deficient according to who and to what, right? Ooh. Yeah. We don't know what the minimum level of what the report says on a my soil test creates a visual symptom of deficiency. What's beautiful with things like the MLSN is that a monumental amount of effort was put in to determine where critical deficiencies start. And so we've begun to map that out. And what we have found even beyond that is that it turns out what we thought was going to be critical is even lower in other turf grass systems, right? Where I, I, you know, I think Shaddix or uh, uh, who was it? Was it Kreuzer? Sold that. Part of one that was mm-hmm. showing p levels as low as three parts per million. Parts per million, yeah. Where you were starting to see deficiency symptoms occur. Above that, we're good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until you got to three or lower that all of a sudden you began to see deficiency symptoms. So when you get a my soil test back that says that you know you are critically deficient at ten parts per million, well. Is that according to a male of three, where we've determined that at three, you might begin to see deficiency symptoms? Or is that according to a 10 that they measured, which might actually be a one because they're using an ion exchange resin instead of the acid uh, extractant that's used in um, uh, a male of three test? Because we don't know. It doesn't correlate. There's no, we, we don't have anything to point to. Uh, and we don't know mm-hmm. if they've done that work. And multiple times, I, when Turf Truth was doing videos online, 
I know that was one of the big things that they wanted to see. I think they've even talked about it on um, uh, 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 Twitter a whole bunch is, you know, show the data that shows where you came up with these recommendations for these nutrient levels and how that applies to turf grass. And no one has been able to do that yet. So until well, the, I have another question, just because yeah. it's telling you it's deficient, honestly, that mm-hmm. swill test is telling you nothing. It is literally telling you nothing. But but your grass is telling you it looks good. Yep, it's growing well. Looks good. Yep, and mm-hmm. and that's 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 what I'd go with the start as a yes. starting point. Ray, what were you going to say? Yeah, yeah, and you know, with the with soil testing overall, uh, I, I'm in alignment with Dr. Travis Shaddix in that. As long as the grass looks good, I'm not dealing with any questionable unknowns. I wouldn't chase numbers on, you know, the turf because basically what this kind of testing leads one to do is chase numbers. And if you want to chase a number, I always say, Here's the number that I would chase that, unfortunately, a soil test can't get right. And you know what that number is? pH. I, yikes. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, if you cannot get, if you cannot get a, soil, a soil pH reading that is, you know, replicable via other labs and... I had, I had an experience the other week uh, with somebody on the Discord. Yes. He ran. Yes, please talk about this. This is a member of our patron Discord shared mm-hmm. soil test that he conducted simultaneously, one through an extension office with a Malik 3 test and the other oh, through I didn't see this. a MySoil test. And yes. what did those pHs come back as, Ray? Close? Were they close? Okay. No, they were far apart, Matt, because... Uh, he had a mysoil test come back, and his pH was 5.98. And the reason why this was even an issue is because old Dave was asking me, if my pH is 5.98, am I safe to apply AMS? Is this going to mess up my soil and acidify it excessively? I said, wait, 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 let's not freak out. And then I looked at his calcium levels on this mysoil test, and I said, Stop. Let's not panic. Let's run our own DIY green dock soil rapid soil test. And so I had him shake up his soil with uh, distilled water and then test it with a pH pen. And you know what? That soil came back 6-4. He then sent it to... Wait, it gets better because he then wow. sent it to Cornell University, which is not far from him. And they came back 6-5. And then he sent it to yet another lab. And they came back between 6-4 and 6-5. So uh, who among us is right? Because, you see, I can accept a difference of... on a pH scale, I have a tough time accepting a pH test that is half a point off. 
I have a hard time with that because the pH scale is what's called logarithmic. So 5.98 to me is a result that is incorrect uh, by 50 times over. Oops. So, yeah, so, so that's like a big issue. And, 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 and the reason why this would have gotten really messed up is because somebody with a pH of 5.98 would legitimately be freaked out because he was asking me also about how much lime do I need to throw down? Mm. Whoa, and I, and, I said, and I said, stop, because you throw down lime on a soil with a pH already at 6.5, that can be bad. <laughs> that can be very bad. So <laughs> this is where I always emphasize Yes, get a soil test done, but please get it done via a reputable lab. One that you can at least trust the results of their pH test. And you know what the, the freaky thing is for, in, through this whole scenario, Matt? You know what, you know what freaked me out? Hmm. The fact that his kitchen counter soil test came up like within 0.1 of a point of the Cornell test. Mm. That was freaky. That was freaky, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, look, I, again, I'm just saying, if you're trying to create a data set to make the best decision you can while you're out in the field, you know, uh, that's probably not a good place Oof. to start. Yeah, well, a lot of things going on there. The, the The bottom line on this one here is that if your grass looks good, but your soil test numbers are deficient, don't listen to Ron and say, "Oh, it'll think how good they could be if you had, you know, you hit these magical numbers." Lord. Yeah, <laughs> use your fucking brain. Start there. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Now here comes our our last one here. This is a trifecta, as Matt said, and this one's a surprise to Matt and to Ray. They haven't seen this yet, but go ahead and throw up this first picture in the uh, in the set all right this is uh, on the uh, bermuda lawn dominators uh facebook group and spencer smith here says anyone looking to acquire some msma target six plus in low quantities i just received my two and a half gallons yesterday and certainly don't need anywhere near that much selling it in five ounce increments for four dollars per five ounces bring your own container also willing to ship or provide your own container for additional money so homeboy here has bought himself a two and a half of MSMA, which is not labeled for residential. And he has gone on to Bermuda Lawn Dominators and began to try and sell this stuff. Okay. JP, go ahead and flip to the next one here real quick. There's Spencer. Class 2022 out there at University of Oklahoma. Newest members of the uh, SEC there, Matthew, if you uh, are scoring at home. So uh, go ahead and slide on down here to the next one. Okay. So, you know, he gets accused of being a moneymaker and selling 500, five ounce increments for 60 bucks. I think it was 40 bucks for five ounces, what he's doing. Spencer defends what? himself and saying, My goal wasn't to make a profit, but to make sure I didn't lose money. Figured most people, blah, 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 blah. He wanted to buy a small quantity for himself. All right, go on. Lord. All right. <laughs> Go ahead and slip to the next oh one here. God. Wasn't trying to make a penny, blah, 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 blah. He's talking about yeah. if, if he's got, he's trying to split this up because other people need it too. And 
this, that, and the other thing. Go ahead and slip to the next picture there, JPing. Brad says, I feel like you're not licensed to ship organic arsenical group 17. You might get slapped with a fine. LOL. Oh, here come the rule followers, says Spencer. It's illegal for a non-intended recipient to go through the package, even though the postal inspectors need a warrant. So, oh, all right. Yeah. Continue on. There's a couple more on here that are, that are kind of Whoa. funny. Go on. Slide up to the next picture here. So, listen. <laughs> so, not what oh yeah. wow so chuck says now the ag wow. know who you are and so does everybody else on youtube by the way spencer you're you seem like a nice guy i'm sure sure of it yeah. so listen i have a question for you mm-hmm. really important question how do you first of all how mm-hmm. do you feel about this how do you feel about not only is homeboy using msma and knowingly doing it breaking the law and, and basically thumbing his nose at it how do you feel about him selling this in small quantities to other people? Does that make it worse for you, Matt? Does it make, does yes. it make him a trafficker of MSMA? Is the trafficker yeah. worse than a user? Yes. And here's, you know, <laughs> there's something on the label that prohibits repackaging or reformulation. There and do you is. know what I know? No, and do you know what I know about anything on a pesticide label, Ryan? What's that? Do you know what I Anything printed on a pesticide label that you choose to willfully violate, at least mm-hmm. in my state, the Department of Agriculture then decides that what has happened is above and beyond their scope. And so do you know who they call when it's above and beyond their scope? You? No, they call the EPA. They call the freaking EPA. And when the EPA comes, that is a federal agency. And your case will be heard in federal court. This is no longer a little... Oh, uh, $500 misuse of pesticide fine assessed by your local Department of Agriculture. No, you've just committed a federal offense. All right. Now, before <laughs> I get Matt's answer, I want I just want to share, Jay Pink, go ahead and go to the last three uh, in a row here. Let's look now. Go to the next one here. This is the, the last three or what I want to read you. Uh, PM okay. sent, PM sent, PM sent, PM sent for those it, of you listening yeah. at home. Yeah. All right. So Brian says, you don't even really care that you're selling it, but if you read the label, it's not labeled for residential use. The problem is you're parading it for sale to people that don't know how to use it. And that's a problem for people like me who do this for a living and had to go through all the proper certifications. And then bam, we can't get products anymore because dumbass homeowners misuse every chemical and then it's banned. Ryan might be a listener of the show, or at least sympathetic to our plight. Uh, but it also I falls on internet companies selling. Yeah, I, I buy him, buy him a shot of whiskey right now. Spencer says, "Man, you must ask the government for, for permission with everything every time you inhale and exhale." I'm assuming you must Here live in liberal California. I'm well aware that it's not labeled for residential use, and that makes it even funnier. As a homeowner, why would I want to use diluted shit? I use commercial grade on everything pesticides herbicides etc 
There you go. He violated your rule right there, Matt. Pesticides yeah. and herbicides. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> if it offends you, I'd be happy to come pour some directly into your city's water supply. Fuck this okay. guy. Fuck this guy. Go on. Wait. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. Go on. Okay. Go to the next one. Okay. Oh, no. Give me your location. Give me your location. I'll be on the way. There is no problem with me, quote unquote, parading it. In fact, now that you said that, I will probably flaunt the results, too. Problem isn't homeowners, but yet dumbasses who think they need to follow every rule on the label. Let me guess. What? You also read the label instructions as a kid when building a set. As an American, oh. it's a free country, and I say and do as I please. So apparently, Spencer's a sovereign citizen. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't live in America to follow every little rule, minuscule rule, where the government decides what they can do to overstep their boundaries. Maybe you should move to China or North Korea if you want everything to be controlled and told everything you can and can't do. Keep using diluted products if you like, and I'll keep up with the commercial grade. All right, next slide. Wait, 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 wait. Spencer, wait, wait, wait. Did I offend you because you're a rule follower? Clearly, you're a libtard Yankee who doesn't belong in the South. I'd knock your ass out, buddy, blah, 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 especially if you slap. I don't know. Anyway, they go on to say this. All right, so uh, let me get you real quick. Uh, Gosh, I had this here. You're brain dead, buddy. MMA would knock your ass out. I could tell by your photos you don't have a single brain cell clicking up there. Just a bunch of sparks. And I don't say queer. That word's for... I say bad word, bad word, bad word, bad word. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and put this slide slide up here, J-Pink, for me. All right. There is Spencer. You can read all about Mm. him. Mm -hmm. His little company is going on right now. I bet he's a great CEO. Now, Lord. here's my question. Wait, what? Matt. In one he... sentence or less. Yeah, he helps kittens and cats and stuff like that, but he's Oh, yeah. Does yeah. he does he does he feed uh does he does he <laughs> feed the medications prescribed to human beings to kittens and dogs because it's strange shit. He's got fuck the label, man. I'm going to put it out there right on him. Shit. Sprinkle rule follower hey now listen i have a question for you what do you want to say anything to this guy do you want to give him a piece of your mind yes yes would you like to call him right now yes we have his phone number please call him jp go ahead (laughs) go ahead and dial that phone number for us jp 80 foot fuse is about to explode john Vamp, vamp for a second. John, Let me John. give me a second. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dial it up. So I'm I'm hundred percent into this. Can y'all hear me? <laughs> oh, we got you loud yeah. and clear. This we got you, is exactly the kind of shit. Exactly the kind of shit that we talk about all the time, isn't it? Yes. And then you get mm-hmm. people exactly like this that not only want to make a buck off it, that's not even the fucking point. I could care less if it's for money or not. I even if he was sending people this stuff in five ounce bottles for free. It's still wrong. It's still against the law. It's still against the label. And this is the kind of stuff that gets us in trouble. So offline, after the show, I'll tell you how this turned out. But uh, for right now, hopefully we can get old boy in line here. Make sure you hit star 67 too while you're at it. Oh, no. You can use my <laughs> oh, personal the number? fucking phone number. How far uh, out are we? Demay, will you will you throw oh. what was what was on the screen into our chat? Uh just so I have uh I will uh, visual yeah, on this because I, I would like to I reference some of what he says. 
I will just go ahead and give you All right. this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bear, Bear with, with me, me how I'm going to start this. Yeah. Hopefully it answers. If not, definitely. Hello, you've reached Smith's Entertainment. Please leave your name and number, and we will get back mm. to you as soon as we can. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, Spencer. My name is Matt. Uh, I am calling. I'm conducting. your message, either because you were not speaking or because of a bad connection. To disconnect, press Ooh. 1 to record your message. Just go ahead press and disconnect. Press 2. Uh, one more time. One more time. Ah, you already disconnected. Call, Never mind. Call, call him back. Call him back. Call him back. Yeah, call, for, call him back one more, time. one more 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 time. Hold on. It, it, it yelled at us because, uh, give me one second. All right. We're going to try again. Okay. Can it hear Matt? Uh, <laughs> Y'all can still hear me okay? I'm paranoid. I'm going to make sure. Right okay, good. Hello, you've reached Smith Entertainment. Please leave your name and number. And this guy we'll sounds get back like a pussy. I want to say that Thank right you. now. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, Spencer. My name is Matt, and I'm calling conducting a poll for the Pew Research Center. Uh, we are looking for people who are politically conservative, and uh, we would like to ask some questions about the Trump campaign and see if you would be willing to participate. Uh, if you could call us back at the number we uh, we called you on. Uh, we just have a few questions. It'll take five minutes of your time, and it's uh, we're, we're doing this, hopefully, to, to be able to offer some assistance to, uh, to Trump's campaign. Thank you so much. Take care. Right, so I'm going to bait him in with that because this is this is what's going to end up happening, right? And this is this would be this is how I would go in the in the in the same way that I'm going to give my my little uh, view take on it. Here is that this guy is going to claim that he is a uh, 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 a conservative, and so I would bait him down. You know, limited government, uh, 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 you know, fiscal conservatorship, uh, free market capitalism, and you know what's particularly interesting about what he is doing right here is that he is single-handedly going after the businesses that he supposedly cares about. This guy's a small business owner. He acts like he cares about promoting small business. Small business is the backbone that makes up the great fucking country we live, we live in. We look at who, how many people come to this country, start businesses, and build successful lives. We have uniquely uniquely the greatest country in the world for opportunity to become whatever you want to become i don't agree with a lot of the rules that are out there but because they're there and because we want to operate businesses and because we don't want to shit on other people's opportunity to operate businesses we do what we have to do to navigate that as gracefully as possible and so for this guy to come in here and act like he is he is, he is the antithesis of what he is claiming to be. This is uh, 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 what I would consider just a, a typical fucking idiot. What 
really gets me going on, on this is that he begins to take the physical tough guy approach, right? We can hear mm -hmm. from his voice on the other end of that phone. There's nothing, not a single thing that is tough about this guy. Spencer, Spencer, we can raise $1,000 easily that if you, we will pay for your flight to come meet me and we'll spend 15 minutes with no ref since you said fuck the rules wherever you want to in a street in a ring in a gym in a church you pick your poison we will arrange you come here and for you having the balls to show here whatever's left over money wise we'll give it to you and i will mop the fucking floor with you homeboy i will mop the fucking floor with you simply because you think you're so fucking tough and it's, I, I would get so much pleasure out of it because it, it, you had to take it that way. And then you have to start calling people homophobic slurs as if I'm a free speech after I'm going to call you a homophobic slur. Buddy, you're a fucking loser in every sense, form of the word that that could possibly mean. You are a fucking loser, top to bottom, left to right, all encompassing, a fucking loser. And I, I love your tough guy approach. Please, by all means, we'll pay for your flight. You will have at least $500 to walk away with. Come spend 15 minutes with me in a no rules, no holds bar. And we'll, we'll play the fucking tough guy game whenever you want. Whenever you want. I'll make, if you want to meet at 4 a.m. on a fucking Sunday in a Catholic church parking lot, I got you, buddy. I got you. Does that mean you're going to bring your own five-ounce container? If I, if, oh, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I will take his two and a half gallons of MSMA and shove it so far up his ass that it'll fucking spray like an AI nozzle out of his fucking nostrils. I'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'm just rattling it off for fun. But I, I mean, this guy is an absolute idiot. What a fucking idiot, man. What does he really think he's accomplishing out of this? You know, he is making a lot of different kind of people look horrible, Matt. You know that? He's I know. making I know. a lot of people look awful. And you What's know what my name? answer Spencer to people what? like that? Spencer Smith. Oh, I got you. You know, okay. my, my answer to this is very simple, Matt. Pocket chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean this, if, if this guy wants to start arm wrestling, arm wrestling first it's just i love how he immediately he jumps he's like i will i will mma knock your ass out come knock me out buddy come knock me out please i will be mm -hmm. the representative of all you hate in the world i want you to feel that way about me i want you to look me in the eye and see me i want you to look at me and see me as a gay man as a trans woman whatever it is you hate about the world or the other word, word you use i think i think you use the the retard word you could see me as a retard as a gay person, as a trans, however you need to see me to hate me. And please, by God, MMA, knock me out, man. MMA, knock me out. Let's see how it happens. Anyway, thank you for that, Demay. I am, I am going to spend an inordinate amount of time uh, 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 aggressively trying to get in contact with this guy. <laughs> I'm glad I could be helpful. Hey, what a, what a great way to set you up for the burns. Gotta love turning up the heat on you, Matt. 
you haven't had a bit of MMA knowledge or experience, please, buddy, please <laughs> come meet me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Brian Elliott, if you ever listen to this, please reach out to me. I want to do something for you for just being a fucking cool guy. Um, and, and reach out to me. I want to do something for you. I'll, I've, I've, got, I've got plenty of, of material laying around my warehouse. I'd love to send to you as a thank you. And uh, just for being an awesome guy, please, Brian Elliott, reach out to me and uh, we'll make that. In fact, I'm going to stalk Brian Elliott on Facebook to make that a reality, too. <laughs> shout out to that guy for just trying to run his fucking business without some pansy ass 22 year old Zoomer incel fucking Andrew Tate <laughs> dick sucking fucking tool bag uh, uh, mouthing off that he's going to MMA his ass. What the you hell, know this man? guy. You know this guy watches Andrew Tate and like hears him talk about women are too low IQ to drive, and this fucking dick gets rock hard. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's why that bitch was mean to me. She's fucking low IQ, man. No, it's because you're a fucking loser, dude. You haven't had your dick sucked in fucking probably ever because you're a fucking loser. If I uh, is this guy single? Is he married or is he single? Can we can we find that out real quick? I'm not done. Is this guy married or single? <laughs> we'll do it after the show. <laughs> Lord. Anyhow, please so those burns. Oh God, I hope I hope this I hope this guy's married. Oh man, ha. 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 buddy, buddy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, EPA, this, this article fucking pisses me off, too. So glad this is going to kick it off. Uh, during the Vietnam War, the U.S. government used Agent Orange, a mix of herbicides, to kill the forest that provided shelter and crops for enemy troops, and it killed a shit ton of people. It did horrific things to Vietnamese citizens, and it did horrific things to American soldiers. The people we sent to war to defend our country so we can have our own fucking small businesses. Oh, there we go. I just saw that domain. Okay. So we can, so we can have small businesses. Uh, 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 these guys were, were poisoned and they were poisoned by a component of agent orange. That was a, uh, uh, a, a manufacturing byproduct. Uh, the chemical in question, according to this article, is 2,4-D. And this is the wow. greatest crock of shit you're going to see, possibly today, probably not, because I would say this is, this is uh, uh, the, the news in a nutshell right here. Um, mm -hmm. Man, I, I really want to know if this guy's <laughs> got, married. I can't stop thinking about it. I, got, I need well, to know if he's married. Be fine. You'll All right. be fine. Um, because together. it's dioxin. Dioxin is the byproduct of the manufacturing of 245T, which is the primary, one of the primary ingredients in Agent Orange. And it's dioxin that was fucking killing our own people and killing the Vietnamese. That is what was in Agent Orange that caused the problem. Not 24D. But Laurel Stell here. Uh, decided to create this uh, 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 this garbage of an article uh, and say that um, uh, uh, basically painting Agent Orange is 24D. Um, anyway, they're suing the EPA uh, for utter disregard of public health because 24D is a possible carcinogen. It goes on and on. 
Uh, but anyway, mm. they're trying. This is this is just bad reporting. Um, I apologize, Mrs. Stell, but you, ma'am, are a fucking moron. Thank you. Uh, next, we yeah. have this is absolute <laughs> tragedy. A California mom named Christine Chavez had just washed. She she she's homeless. It just washed okay. in a, uh, a a body of water and getting cleaned up. And she was going to lay down in a field to take a nap. And a mowing crew uh, that mows with uh, probably probably a flail mower, um, a park, you know, will pull behind a John Deere uh, tractor, uh, ran uh, over this poor lady. And um, if you if you could imagine the absolute tragedy of what happened as a result of that. The, the 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 family is distraught uh the family understandably wants to make sense of how this could possibly happen and they're blaming everybody right now and if i was in their position i'd probably be doing the same thing because i'm not sure i would uh if if this were my daughter um you know heaven forbid she ever found herself in that situation and were she ever hit by a mower i i just i, I don't know what i would do i'd come apart um and unfortunately this is this is what can happen um I don't know how and if this could have been avoided from the mower standpoint, but again, let me just bring this up to highlight the fact Jeez. of, you know, when accidents do happen in this industry, sometimes they can have life altering consequences, including death. Please, mm. God, be careful while you're out there. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Um, and then, the last one here, alternatives to grass, shrinking your lawn to preserve the environment. I don't know why I put this as a burn. It's, it's probably, this is actually probably a good article here. Um, Americans have long had a fixation with weedless lawns. They like lush green yards, devoid of dandelions, clover, and other vegetation. That can, uh, oh, this is why I did it. Uh, but is that love affair with monoculture starting to wane? Uh, vast expanses of pure grass may be great for golf courses and recreation fields where balls need to bounce in predictable fashion, but not for a growing number of suburbanites who aren't interested in sh slathering their lawns with synthetic fertilizers and toxic weed killers. It was that line right there that just got mm. in my got slather. In because like we discussed earlier, soil biodiversity increased under intensive management. So uh, anyway, ah, it's, it's hyperbolic to make you feel crazy. Um, but you know, again, like we talked about with Miss Stell in the earlier article, we have another psychopath that wrote this, uh, or I maybe maybe sociopath. or just zero empathy in here. Um, you know, I, I bring this up to say the good part about it is that if you do not grow grass in areas where you do not need to grow grass, uh, you know, for instance, if you have a shady area, uh, don't go seed Bermuda grass, and when it doesn't take, go get black cow and uh, a contractor's mix of tall fescue and sheep fescue and seed it into the black cow for it to come up, only to die a little bit later because it's growing in uh, heat that is not conducive for the type of grass you're growing. Um, uh, consider, consider landscaping. And you know, uh, what's, what's beautiful about all the home lawns that are out there is that we've got a lot of area that we can have both things. We can have highly managed turf grass areas, and we can have incredibly aesthetic functional landscapes as well too if you want to have things like milkweed for your butterflies and your caterpillars by all means have at it uh if you if you want to have some natives you want to have some red twig dogwoods out there you want to grow some dogwoods by all means you can do that and have grass simultaneously 
It is not one or the other. I, you know, this idea that I like shrinking your lawn to preserve the environment, uh, actually, I can kind of get behind that. Yeah, cut out unnecessary grass areas and do something functional with your landscaping with it. And you can have both function and aesthetics coexist simultaneously. Um, but the idea that what we're doing otherwise is toxic and chemicals and out to harm the environment is largely a giant fucking farce. Um, boys, let's jump to this, re- this week's returns. Um, I'm, I'm jumping through this. Uh, have we figured out if this guy's married yet? <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> I'm going to give you a 98% chance to know. Guys, I mean, that's where I was going to. He's in Oklahoma. Did I did I catch that right? We'll catch that properly. I I do not care. I'll say it on air. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> okay, I think uh, I think I found Brian Ellis. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking for him right now because he's he's the hero in the story. Um, lawn care companies losing business in Wisconsin drought. Uh, <laughs> wow. Without grass to mow, Madison Lawn Care Companies turned to tree trimming and weed removal. Aha. Madison area lawn care companies have lost revenue and turned to other jobs such as bush trimming and weeding as drought continues and mowing becomes rare. Most of Dane County, including Madison, have been in an extreme drought, probably thanks to Supernova. Uh, Jesse Engelkins, owner of Jesse's Lawn Care, said it has shifted and slowed his business in recent weeks. We plan for drought every year, just not this soon and not this long. Adding that his business has seen a significant slowdown in lawn-related jobs, many of which have changed to bi-weekly schedules. The business now relies on other jobs, such as bush trimming. He typically prepares for a drought or dry period in mid-July or August. Uh, Ingleton said that while some lawns on Madison's west side, including the Nakoma neighborhood, had more green and growing lawns thanks to shade, his clients' lawns on the east side were largely dried out. A lot of our lawns are absolutely torched, man. Sounds like a real lawn care guy, doesn't it? And these lawns are smoked. Uh, Dry (laughs) conditions are becoming the new normal in lawn care in the area. Uh, He's been working in the industry for 30 years. He normally prepares for dry conditions. However, you know, we're we're in no good here. This This is one of the worst in eight years. It's going to take a lot of rain to bounce back. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things, adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. It's, 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 that's why it's a return. That's why it's a return. One of the greatest challenges of being a business owner is being able to pivot, pivot when faced with adversity. Uh, that's one of the most exciting things about being a business owner is making the decision to pivot when you have to pivot. Right. Uh, unless, unless your name is Spencer and, uh, and you want to make sure that you shit on every other small business in this industry out there so they don't have the opportunity to pivot because I'm such a conceited fucking asshole that I want to make sure that everyone out there is as miserable as I am. I bet this guy's you know what, a virgin. You know what that makes him, that? You know what that I makes bet him? this guy's a virgin. If he, wants to sp- if he wants to spread misery like that? That makes him Cuck. the very thing that he doesn't claim or want to be. That makes him a damn commie. Spreading misery <laughs> yeah. equally. Oh, yeah. And what's funny is this guy <laughs> will, will straight up say, I'm a damn, I'm a, I'm a Donald Trump conservative. I'm like, nobody. No, Bullshit. You're a, fucking, you're, a, you're a collectivist, populist commie is what you are. Go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. All right, here's 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 oh here's Brian Elliott. I'm sending this guy a message right here. Are we friends? 
We're already friends. Look at you. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh, no, we are not friends on Facebook. That's my fault. Oops. <laughs> uh, one second. I'm messing him. I'm saying Brian Elliott, sir. I love the opportunity to talk to you about the cock named Spencer <laughs> Smith, uh, who initiated uh, the MSMA bullshit. Uh, uh, as a small business owner, I, uh, I, I, I appreciate you holding your ground and would love the chance to talk to you one-on-one. J-Pink, go Uh, into the episode thread and pull up this most recent screen grab from our friend Spencer. Oh, Oh, this is is from our episode thread. So uh, this is on the... uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Dive in there and go ahead and put that up. So Spencer says, this is the day after... He uh, made this post, or maybe a couple days ago. So I applied MSMA yesterday because the weather was supposed to be good for it. Then about six to seven hours after I applied it, we got a surprise rainstorm. A lot of rain. I'm seeing some say that MSMA MSMA is fine with rain after four hours, while others are saying 24 hours. In your honest opinion, did yesterday's MSMA application go to waste, or was six or seven hours plenty of time for it to set? I thought I had 48 plus hours till the next rain, or I wouldn't have applied, wasted my time applying uh, and chemicals applying. Perks of Oklahoma weather. Face palm. Matt? Well, Ryan? it sounds like you climbed in the professional pool, Spencer, and we filled it with piss. Matt? Ryan? Mm-hmm. You know, situations like this, this is exactly how and why MSME got completely banned in Florida and got placed under limited use in the entire United States. Do you know why the EPA made that decision? Tell me. No. Because, because too many people, especially in Florida, were playing this bullshit game of, it's going to rain four or five hours later, so I'm going to go broadcast MSMA all over the place. And so when you do stuff like that and then it rains soon after, all the MSME just leaches into the groundwater. I mean, congratulations, Spencer. He said he would go pour it in the drain in your local (laughs) municipality. Yeah. What a piece of shit. What a fucking loser this guy is. And then he's going to MMA yeah. knock it. I got, I got to read that again. I got to read that again. <laughs> well, I, I, I saw that one. Clearly, you I'm haven't thinking... had a bit of MMA knowledge or experience. This is like, the listen, one of the things that irks me about the weirdness of current time is, is, the, uh, is, is when people talk about toxic masculinity. It irks the shit out of me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this guy takes it to a whole new level. I've never seen. You know, you know who this reminds me of. Does anybody know the story of? Um, oh, uh, what's his name? His name is Jack. Uh, Reacher. No. Um, uh, what? What is this guy? Oh man, I wish Brandon was on here right now. 
Oh, it's it's the guy who did the liminal order. One second. Jack Murphy. What? Uh what the hell so is that? Jack Murphy was a uh was a staunch Democrat that realized that he could make a shit ton of money uh grifting to uh to the to the Trump base, right? And what he did is he started a men's group called the Liminal Order, right? And it it's a private, secure network of over 500 skilled professionals, business leaders, public figures, and future world changers. They did things like 4D warfare and all the other things. And uh, your enemies want you dead is, you know, right, right off your right. Well, doing a little Jesus. digging into this, uh, one of the interesting things that, that came out was uh, the guy was regularly uh, making uh, solo uh, uh, pornographic material where he was inserting objects into his rectum. And he was oh. writing articles about finding uh, dudes for his, uh, young dudes for his wife to go sleep with while he wrote his blog articles and was talking about how <laughs> he had reached. Is this a return? He had reached. He had reached apex masculinity is how he did it. He said, this is real apex shit here, men. Yeah, learning how not to become Being a jealous. What? Yes, <laughs> while his wife, Being a cuck. his girlfriend, was sleeping, he said, and sometimes, and it's for a later conversation, was able to make money off of it. Guy was pimping Lord. as behind the guise of masculinity was pimping someone who he made a commitment of marriage to. That guy does not give a fuck about what the word marriage means. Not in the slightest sense of it. Not in the slightest sense of it. And you know what's even greater is this guy is a Bible-thumping convert from a, a far-left guy to all of a sudden a far-right guy and thumped the Bible the whole way, and that was part of his grift that now he found, he found the New Testament and he got saved. Meanwhile, <laughs> out the back of his house, he's literally pimping his fucking wife and calling that apex masculinity to whoever will listen to him. Spencer Lord. is the kind of guy that would see that and be like, bro, that is real shit, bro. That is real <laughs> shit. Again, Spencer, I, you, you, we will come up with the money. Come see me, buddy. Come see me. I'll let my wife hold the camera. She'll record it. So that way, <laughs> That way you'll, you'll, you'll get to see what an actual real marriage looks like. You'll get to see what real <laughs> love looks like, what respect for two people looks like. And that would, be, that would be between her and I, not between you and I. And I promise, but I will fucking turn you into the absolute sissiest bitch that you had no idea you were. By the time I finish with you, you're going to head to the gay bar on the corner and bend over and ask someone to fuck you to take away the fucking misery that I put you through. Because <laughs> that will bring back the slightest bit of fucking self-preservation that you have, that you'll Time's feel alive up, it's over. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Um, I don't, man, we're probably going to get kicked off the internet for this, and I don't care because I hate this motherfucker so much. <laughs> we are going to go hang out with our patrons. <laughs> And let them choose the title of this week's episode. No, we, we've already picked the title of this week's episode. It's Spencer Smith in Oklahoma, CEO of Smith Entertainment, uh, is going to be the title of this, uh, the title of this episode. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll let the patrons pick. I'm just being a dick at this point. <laughs> Love y'all. Love y'all. Love y'all.
Love it. Is he married yet? Do, do we know? Is this guy married? <laughs> hey, I think uh, Jacob uh, 